So, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. If you need a Bible, there's plenty there as you came in. Coming through the door, please feel free to go and get one if you need it. We're going to read right the way up to verse 35. And in case you have missed the theme of this morning, it's all about the Lord's return. And this is what we come to in Matthew chapter 24. It's a difficult section, so we're going to read it. And we are then going to pray and ask for the Lord's help. So follow along with me as we hear God's word to us. Verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I'm the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that none of you are alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, the kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, False prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look! Here is the Messiah, or, no, there he is. Do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you in advance. 
So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, or do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs become tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Well, let's keep our Bibles open and let's pray. Our Father God, Each one of us has come today with many things on our minds about the coming week and the future. And we pray that your word would give us a vision today of the future to come that would give us a perspective on life that fills us with hope and confidence, giving us the sure and certain hope that Christ is coming. Father, would we be ready for his return? And may we be attentive to your word so that we will live well as we wait. So be our teacher by your Holy Spirit and help us all, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, where we are in Matthew's Gospel, it's Tuesday evening, three days before Jesus will be crucified and put to death. And knowing what lies ahead, Jesus wants his disciples and us to know that he has authority over all things. No matter how bad things are going to get, Jesus wants us to know that we can face the future with absolute confidence and hope. The King will return. 
Just as Jesus came once, so Jesus is going to come again. Three things Jesus teaches us about his return in this chapter. Believe the word of the king's return. Wait in hope for the king's return. And invest your life in the king's return. So three simple things. Believe the word, wait in hope, and invest your life. So first, believe the word of the king's return. In this text, in this chapter, Jesus has made two very clear promises. One, that the temple is going to be destroyed, and the second, that the Lord is going to return. And these two promises are not separate from each other. Rather, the first promise paves the way for the second promise. In other words, the temple being destroyed is a sign that the king is going to come. Have a look with me in verse 1. Jesus left the temple. We remember previously, back in chapter uh, 21, he had gone to the temple. It's now Tuesday and he's gone to the temple again and they're now leaving it. So Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples and they came up to him to call his attention to the building. Hey Jesus, look at the size of this temple. It was stunning and elaborate. It was an architect's dream. Walking along its perimeter on the outer walls, you couldn't help but be impressed. Some of the stones along the bottom, all cut by hand, were 40 feet long, 12 feet high and 12 feet deep. The white marble columns at the entrance and the roof overlaid with gold. It was a magnificent building. We could imagine Jesus and the disciples as they were walking around, gazing up at these high walls, impressed. Verse 2. Do you see all these things? Do you see this magnificent building? Jesus said. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Pardon? Excuse me? Yes, you heard correctly. The temple will be destroyed. Now the significance of that is somebody announcing in the news today that in a number of years' time the White House is just going to be completely obliterated. Or Leinster House in a few years' time is just going to be floored to the ground. Well, clearly this had bothered the disciples. So that evening, verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, so this is an area outside the city on a hill, an olive grove where Jesus would go over the course of that week. And they could look from there down onto the city and especially over this magnificent temple. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately Tell us, they said, 
When will this happen? When is this temple going to be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? It seems the disciples have been trying to work things out for themselves. Jesus, if if this temple is going to be destroyed, does that mean that when that happens, it's going to be the end of the age, the end of this world and the end of history as we know it? Is, Is that what you're trying to tell us? Well, let's see what Jesus has to say. First, the destruction of the temple. Jesus is very clear. He says there's going to be certain signs that are going to happen that will tell us the temple will be destroyed. Verse 5, he says there will be false messiahs. Verse 6, there will be wars and nations against nation. In verse 7, there's going to be famine and earthquakes. Verse 8, all these are the beginning of birth pains. These are all signs, he says, of a, of a more terrible event to come, the destruction of the temple. In fact, the disciples, as they listen, he says, you will feel it personally. Verse 9, he says, there will be persecution and some of the disciples will be put to death. Verse 10, people will turn from the faith. Verse 12, wickedness will increase. And all while this is going on, verse 14, the good news will continue to be declared. And, end of verse 14, then the end will come. These are the things you can expect to happen and then the end will come. Then the temple is going to be destroyed. Verse 15, So when you see standing in the holy place talking about the temple, When you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, bit of a tongue twister that one, well it's it's a quote from the prophet Daniel who hundreds of years before spoke of a foreign enemy, one who is going to come in the future and destroy the temple and overtake Jerusalem. Jesus says when you see that happen, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet of Daniel. Let the reader understand. In other words, if you don't believe my words now, you will certainly believe my words then. Mark my words. The temple will be destroyed. And when it does happen, There will be terrible suffering, verse 16. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Escape! Get out as fast as you can! Don't wait to pack your bags or bring your favourite belongings. Run for it! Verse 21. For then there will be great distress, terrible suffering, Unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. So Jesus promises that the temple will be destroyed. But he also makes a second promise. The promise of the coming Lord. Verse 23. 
At that time, at the time the temple is being destroyed, if anyone says to you, look, over there, here's the Messiah. Or, no, 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 over there. Don't believe it. Verse 26, so if anyone tells you, there he is, he's out in the desert, quickly go out to him, or, no, he's, he's in the inner rooms, whether he's inside or outside, don't believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible from the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is crystal clear. The King will return. Jesus' favourite name for himself, the Son of Man, a person of absolute power and authority who will return to establish his eternal kingdom. So we have two clear promises. The temple will be destroyed and the king will return. But how do they relate to each other? Well, the promise of the word. Jesus is connecting these two great events. The first event foreshadows the second event. The destruction of the temple is the sign that the king will return. When it's destroyed, you will know that the Lord is going to come. You see, about 40 years after Jesus spoke these very words to his disciples, all that he said came to pass. You can look it up in your history books. In AD 66, the Jews rebelled against their Roman masters. They went on the offensive. And in response, the emperor Titus went in with his armies and his response was devastating. They overtook Jerusalem in AD 70. They came in and put a siege around the temple where all the, the rebels had holed up. His army broke through the walls. The temple was set on fire and all the valuable items were ransacked. And by the time the armies had finished, all that remained of the temple was the foundation on which it was built. It was completely levelled. Just as Jesus had said. Read your history and you will see that what Jesus said, verse 2, Truly I tell you, not one stone will here be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And those who didn't flee to the surrounding mountains like they were warned were butchered to death. Over those four years of battle and in those remaining few weeks, historians say that at least one million people were killed. Jesus' words were yet again true, verse 21. He said there will be great distress, a terrible suffering, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. So Jesus is making it clear to his disciples, when all this happens, when these terrible events come to pass, that will be the sign to you that you know the king is going to return. 
Verse 34. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass until all these things have happened. All this stuff to the temple, the invading army that's going to come. Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything else may be destroyed, but my words will never pass away. What Jesus says is true. We can trust his words. If Jesus says it will happen, it will happen. No doubts. Well, we sit at a time, 2,000 years since Jesus spoke those words and a little more since the temple was destroyed. Today you can go to that very site And there is no temple. The only wall that's left is one of the big outer walls surrounding the temple courts called the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. You may have seen pictures of it. You go there today and you will see Jews very devout, praying, wailing, crying, longing for everything to be restored. But there is no temple. Never forget its significance of what Jesus had said. Jesus said the temple would be destroyed. And so we can believe his word that the king will return. Of course, people spend their days, don't they, trying to predict when that will be. I mean, we've had a plethora of it in recent years. Oh, the pandemic across the world. The Lord must be coming. Get ready. Russia has invaded Ukraine. Oh, the Lord is coming. Get ready. Maybe he is. Maybe he will next week. Well, we're not to get caught up with signs and times and catastrophic events or climate change and trying to figure out when it's all going to happen. Look at verse 36. But about that day, the day of the Lord's return or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So don't bother turning on your televisions to the God channel and listening to all these wonderful predictions of when Christ is coming. None of them know. If the angels don't know, the Son doesn't know, well, I certainly don't know and neither do you. The important thing is not when he is coming, but that he is coming. His words are true. We can trust his words. So, first, Believe the word of the king's return. The next couple of points that we're going to look at are a little shorter. We're not going to be as long. Second, wait in hope for the king's return. So we don't know the time of the king's return, but when it does happen, it will be unmistakable. Rather than a secret event known by a few, it will be public and seen by all. Look at verse 27 with me. 
For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west. You know, on the rare occasions, even when we have lightning, it can be miles away. But people way in the opposite direction still see it. So it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 28, wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Now that's a bit of a tough one. I'll tell you what I think it it, it means. That where there is a dead animal, way, way up in the sky, you see the circling vultures and people from miles around can all see what is going on and what is happening. So it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Everybody will see. In fact, when the king returns, there will be a cosmic upheaval. Look at the quote in verse 29. The sun will be darkened. The moon will give not, not give its light. So whether you're, you're alive at the time of the sun or whether you're in an area of the world where the moon is out, the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. The return of Jesus will be unmistakable. All will see and all will know wherever you live on the planet. And with his coming, there are three glorious things we can look forward to. First, justice will be done. Verse 30. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth, all the nations, will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Remember what we looked at just last week when Jesus entered into Jerusalem? Do you remember how he came? On a donkey, gentle and humbly. But when Jesus comes again, he's going to be riding on the clouds of heaven in power and in great glory. First he came to serve and to save. Now he's going to come to rule and to judge. No wonder, verse 30, the nations will be mourning. For there will be no more hiding. All will be revealed and everything will be exposed. What do you think about that? Well, that's good news because justice will be done. Think of all the injustices that have taken place in the history of the world where the innocent suffer and the guilty escape, the invading armies, the corrupt politicians, where children are trafficked and women enslaved, the rich and the powerful stealing and abusing, the violent and greedy crushing and killing. All has been seen and not one of it will ever be forgotten. Every penny that has been robbed Every hurtful thought, every evil deed has all been recorded by God. And one day, every human being that has ever lived in the history of this world will stand before the Supreme King. Every evil will be punished and every wrong put right. Nothing and no one 
will escape the pure justice of God. But before we move on, this also means that we too will receive justice. Because every one of us gathered here today will have to give an account to the King for our every thought, word and deed. How are you going to stand before the King? What would it be like to have my life, all my secret, deepest thoughts, all exposed by God, all revealed? You see, all who have rejected Jesus as King will face the King's judgment. And if you are here today and you are one who is rejecting and refuse to submit to him, now, today, not a moment later, is the time to repent and ask for his forgiveness. Please, please, make sure you are ready to meet the King. So justice will be done. Second, all God's people will be gathered in. Verse 31, Ralph referred to this earlier from Revelation. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect, his believers, his followers from the four winds, from north, south, east and west, they will all be gathered from one end of the heavens to the other, from one end of the earth to the other. What a welcome it's going to be. Picture the scene. We looked at one angel in Revelation. Here it says, all the angels will be blowing their trumpets. Imagine the noise. Thousands and thousands upon angels, each blowing their trumpet. God's very own welcoming party. And all who have submitted their life to King Jesus will be gathered in, just as the King will bring his judgment on those who reject him, so the King will bring his salvation to those who accept him. I love the moment before a match starts. And the players run fired up out of the tunnel onto the pitch. And the crowds stand and applaud and cheer, shouting. Well, let's get ready for the welcome of all welcomes. One day Jesus will return and we will run into the eternal kingdom greeted by cheering and shouting in the celebration of angels, embraced by the King of Kings. This is the guaranteed promise of Jesus. Just as he came to save you and to die for you, he will come again and he will bring you home. He will not forget you or leave you. You will be gathered in. So justice done. Gathered in. And joy to come. Verse 32. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. Do you have any fig trees in your garden? Well, there's a lesson. 
As soon as its twigs become tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Have a look around your garden. Nature is a wonderful teacher. Just as the plants begin to leaf and begin to bud, so we know that summer is coming. Well, says Jesus, this is what life is like and what the kingdom to come will be. Presently, he says, it's as if we are living through winter. Life is filled with hurts and pains, but we look forward to to joy. Every trial and struggle, every crushing hurt, every anxious pain are all signs that a greater glory awaits. Winter is here right now, but summer is coming. We see the horrors of war and its devastating effects, but summer is coming. We watch as families are broken and homes destroyed, but summer is coming. We hurt as children are maimed and their innocence lost. But summer is coming. We struggle with our broken promises and disappointments. But summer is coming. We battle with our own sin and our failing and our falling. But summer is coming. We live with regret. We fight our fears. But summer is coming. We face sickness and sorrow. We struggle through pain. But, can we say it? Summer is coming. We say goodbye to loved ones. We long for better days. But summer is coming. As we wait for the king's return, we are living through winter. Life under the curse. Suffering and struggles. Thorns and thistles. But one day, The king will come in glorious light and the icy winds of winter will be no more. Wait in hope. Look forward to his coming. And when he comes, justice will be done. We will be gathered in and joy will be ours forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. So, third, invest your life in the King's return. You see, it's not just a future event. It impacts on how we live today. That's Jesus teaching to his disciple. This is what we are waiting for, the glory to come. These things are yet to happen. So here's how we should all live as we wait for the King. Very quickly, three things we can all invest our life in as we wait in hope. First, watch out. 
Look at verse 4. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I'm the Messiah, and will deceive many. False messiahs, false prophets with a false message. How are they going to deceive? What will their message be? Well, it would be something like this. Trust in Jesus and you will be healthy and wealthy forever. Believe in Jesus and you will have your best life now. Speak positive words and you will be healed. No more sickness. What has Jesus been telling his disciples? Get ready for difficulties and hardships. Look at verse 8. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Anyone who has had a baby knows that the beginning of birth pains, those first contractions, means the pain is only going to get worse. Yes, the glory to come of the little baby will be there one day. Well, in a few hours, not a whole day, I hope. (laughs) Will eventually come, but there will be pain. Jesus is saying this is what we have to get prepared for. This is life. No, it's not all doom and gloom. We have the promise of God's power and presence. He is our Father who cares and comforts. He will give you grace for every trial and strength for every struggle. But never believe the lie that this is our best life now. It is not. The best is yet to come. Watch out for deceiving lies. Second. Let's together stand firm. With all the pressures of life and persecution and opposition, verse 12 tells us there's going to be a greater wickedness, the pulls to take us away from God. What are we to do? Verse 13, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Well, how are we going to stand firm amidst all the pressures and the difficulties? Well, what have we been thinking about? Believe the word of the king's return. That's how you will stand firm. Wait in hope for the king's return. That's how you remain rock solid. Remind yourself that justice will be done, that you will be gathered in, and joy is yet to come. Stand firm in the promises of God. And third, preach the gospel. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We're not to be trying to figure out how many nations are there, how many have been reached. But as we wait for the King, get on with the business, each one of us, of sharing the good news. You see, we live in a community where people are without hope. The best people can muster is to say, we've come from nowhere, we're going nowhere, and life is all a chance in between. How much greater a message have we got? The good news of a coming king who has all history and all life in his hands, a king with absolute power and supreme authority, who will come 
and restore our broken lives and renew this disordered world once and for all. A king who gave his life for you, died for you and rose again from the grave, defeating death, so that we together might enjoy his kingdom forever. Good news for us to tell. My friends, winter is here, but summer is coming. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we look, we see the world around us, we see our own lives and our own situations, we fear of what's to come. Lift our gaze from what we can see to what we can't see and what you have promised, an eternal glory to come. Father, may each one of us be ready that not only would we be gathered and welcomed, but that we would be ready to welcome you whenever that is. Father, fill us with hope and confidence that we would watch out, stand firm, and that together we would preach the good news so that all might hear of your greatness and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you want to sing? I do. We're going to sing. When I fear my faith will fail, 